Next Chapter Podcasts. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down Edition, so it ain't nothing too new Hundreds more to go And in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J.M. On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end Concerto de Aranjuez, Adagio. Not to be confused with Adagio for strings. Uh, that's the song from Platoon. Arguably one of the saddest songs ever written. The Platoon thing, remember when William Defoe's running, he throws his arms up, he's getting shot by the Viet Cong. Uh, but that's not from this. This is from Sketches of Spain by one of my favorite artists of all time, Miles Davis. Ooh, I just banged the mic. From the 1960s album Sketches of Spain. Uh, did I say that twice? Who cares? It's also number 358 out of 500 on my show, The 500 with Josh Adam Myers, where each week a comedian listens to albums and talks to talks about it with other comics and people of influence. What is going on? So I'm in New York, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This album like hit the spot while walking through the Upper East Side, kind of living my life out here. Uh, come and see me at the Comedy Cellar. I'm at the Comedy Cellar, either Village Underground, Fat Black Pussycat, or the Comedy Cellar almost every night of the week. Check their website, ComedyCellar.com, or go to my Instagram, at Josh Adam Myers, and that is where, yeah, man, you'll be able to see me out here. I'm at The Stand, which is my home club. Uh, I can't stress this enough. I love it out here, man. I love Los Angeles. A lot of people are asking me why I moved. I really want to reach my potential. I really want to uh, be out here and just work, man. I'm 41 years old. I never lived out here. I feel like it's time uh, for me to to really just... Like, I really want to do a, a one-man show about the car accident I was in. Uh, I want to talk about Ange. I want to talk about really personal stuff. And you just can't grow like that as a comedian in Los Angeles. I love it. I'll be going back there. We got a goddamn comedy jam. We're about to announce August 22nd. I will give you the deets uh, when they're ready. 
but it's going to be dope. Uh, so I'll be back in LA at least once a month, but I'm out here, man. And I'm moving into my new apartment on the first in Gramercy. So I'm not going to tell you the address, but you know, buy me a gift, send me a gift. If you love me, if you love this show, or you know what you could do, join the Patreon because, uh, there's a lot of people that work on this show and you know, we are doing this on our own. Uh, we need your support. If you listen to the show every week, if you're following along, if you are in the fleece army, I'm begging you guys, you know, I hate to beg, but, um, we need the money $5 a month. It helps. And I mean that man, if you listen, it's five bucks. I think it's like $60 for the year. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. I'll send you a personal message. If you join, if you've already joined Patreon, send me a Instagram uh, and I'll do like a free, like stupid cameo with me and Lekka. Um, but do it because I'd appreciate it. So oh, also, you know what you can do that can really help? Uh, follow me at Josh Adam Myers. That really helps me. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and, um, and go to our YouTube, Josh, it's uh, youtube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers and smash that subscribe button. Do it guys. So as everybody knows, Miles Davis, uh, is tattooed to my right arm. Um, it was one of the first tattoos I got. We're going to talk about all of it. Um, I grew up in a very jazzy household with my dad playing and listening to, to jazz and, so this record uh, was a part of my life from a very, very early age. Not my favorite Miles record, but when you get to, like I said, dude, when you listen to this record on a walk or, you know, on an airplane, just some somewhere where you can look out and get a view, it, it just changes the album, just everything, the essence, the, 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 the vibrations of it. Same. That's all the LA shit in me still. The vibrations of the music. Uh, but I have a very special guest with very high vibrations. Uh, the one and only Alonzo Bowden. Alonzo is a incredible comic, last comic standing. He's also the host of a new radio show called Who's Paying Attention on KBLA 1580 Talk in Los Angeles. He is a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And his fourth comedy special, Heavy Lightweight, is on Amazon Prime. But he is a jazz fan. And uh, this isn't the normal show that we're going to do. Uh, there's no Morty. Uh, Morty is going to be taking a break while he works on his album. We love him. You know, we wish him the best. Uh, he's been a huge part of the show since the beginning. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll be back. We, we hope so. Um, but, you know, the show, the show just keeps going. And that's what I'm saying is, like, it's all love. Uh, we love you guys. And we want everybody to, uh, you know, just listen to these records. And just keep on keeping on. Um, so, dig this shit. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms. And if you listen on Apple, uh, leave us a five-star rating and leave a review. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group, uh, run back, they Evan. Uh, and for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but... Here we go at number 358 with Sketches of Spain. Bye. That's what I said at the beginning of the album. Miles Davis. you, Adam. But the second I click on, we're off to the races. And he's got to go around noon. Right. No. Okay, then we got to do this. I don't even know what noon means because it's 2.04 here. And I mean, if you're going to go back in time, 
God, the audience, police army, if you heard the discourse that me and Alonzo just had prior to Adam hitting record, you guys would have thought we were the greatest podcast ever, dude. If you haven't noticed by the video, uh, Alonzo, I have Miles Davis tattooed to my right arm. I have his Columbia Records logo. That's a bit more dedication than I have served. Than many people. And to be honest with you, I would have gotten a much better tattoo, but I only had a hundred bucks. <laughs> I had this whole I had this whole thing dreamed up where I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing where it's like the picture of Miles where he's like he's like if you do that famous picture of Miles where he's like he's like kind yeah. of like in the shadows and he's going the whisper thing. I was like, that's what I want. I was like, how much is that? They're like, that's about six hundred bucks. I was like, okay. <laughs> what a hundred bucks get me and they're like we can do one of it like the like an outline of his of his trumpet and a note i was like okay let's let's do that but i had no idea that you were this huge miles davis fan i mean when you did the jam a long time ago you did public enemy which i know you can't really do miles davis at the goddamn comedy jam but i mean tell me like just how did this so, start so well, yeah, take well, me through your journey your so so let's back up I, I grew up loving jazz, right? And and I started out in the 70s in the fusion era, you know, listening to uh, Stanley Clark, Return to Forever, Weather Report, all of that stuff, Herbie Hancock. And then finding out that they played, you know, you, you had like Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock played with Miles mm -hmm. in the 60s, you know, Chick Corea. Yeah briefly played with Miles, definitely influenced by Miles. So you, so you hear all of this. And then I started listening to Miles in, in like the early 80s. But here's the thing, I think, when you listen to Miles Davis, for me, okay, I can't speak very Please, much. please. I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like, Neither like, did I. I start out listening and everybody talks about, you know, he's a god. He's a god. And, and I'm listening and I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, he's good. It's interesting, but I'm not hearing that that thing. And then I think you just listen to it over and over and then you get it. You know, you yeah. just just one day it's like, oh, oh, oh. And, and since then, I've learned a lot about Miles. I've learned a lot about music. Marcus Miller is a good friend of mine. And and I don't know if you know who Marcus is or Marcus's history. Yeah, he played for the uh, for the Vancouver Grizzlies. He was a power forward. <laughs> he, Marcus Miller with the rebound. Marcus Miller, and this is what's funny about Marcus. You know Marcus. You just don't know that you know Marcus. Tell me, I um, know. So Marcus started out. Um, I think he's his first pro gig was when he was sixteen. When he was twenty one, he's in New York. He's doing jingles. He's working with Luther Vandross on Luther's first album. By the way, he was Luther's musical director for his entire career. So everything you heard from Luther came from Marcus musically. Nice. At 21, and this is this this mind-blowing shit here, Josh. Imagine this. At 21, you're in in studio in New York playing some jingle for Fruit Loops or or you know, the new, I don't know, Ford commercial. Mm -hmm. And he got a call. And it was Miles Davis to come. Miles wants him in studio. So he goes to, to see Miles and he starts playing in Miles' band when he's 21 years old. Oh, God. It's By the time he wrote, um, are you familiar with Tutu? Oh, come on, dude. Marcus I got him tattooed to my that. arm, bro. What do you think? Mar I'm really Marcus wrote Tutu. Did he really? And he wrote Tutu when he was about... 
28. Wow. Now, Josh, I don't know what you were doing when you were 28. Ketamine. I wasn't in studio <laughs> writing an album for Miles Davis. No, you know? most people aren't. No, I, I mean, that's the thing about Miles, because him being such a prodigy, he found other prodigies and knew this guy's special. Let's work together. He looked for people. And like I say, I learned a lot about Miles from Marcus because he had such this close relationship. So what he did was he looked for people like him. In other words, people who, like you said, he saw the prodigy in them. He saw the talent in them and he saw the willingness. You know, one of the things about Miles that I love. And I learned, again, learning this about him. So he started out, you know, in bebop, you know, he's with, with Charlie Parker and all those guys. When he went to New York, that's what he wanted to play, right? Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah. And he's playing like they do. He's playing fast. He's playing a bunch of notes. And then it hit him like, no, that's not who I am. I'm quieter. Yes. Uh, and, and what the musicians say, and you're a musician, so you know this better than I do. But they say it's the space that he left in between the notes. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the fact that he took his time and played what he wanted to play that I love. And then the other thing, and this is as a comedian, right? He did it for him. He didn't do it for you. He didn't do it for me. He didn't do it for the audience. The music he played, he played for himself or he yes. played for the band or he played, or like we're talking about sketches in Spain, he played with the orchestra, but it was never about, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna dumb it down for, for them, for the audience. I'm gonna cater to the audience. He catered to the music. So, and as you know, as a comic, you start out trying to make everybody laugh, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you're doing dick jokes and you're learning to juggle. You're making fun of, fat people or, or oh, you see my act it's, <laughs> you're just going through everything i do <laughs> right so you're doing that because it's getting the laugh but then you you realize like i gotta say what i want to say you find your own voice on stage and you start talking about what you want to talk about and it's not that you don't care that they laugh anymore you know you can make them laugh so now it's like what else can i do yeah so miles did did all of this bebop stuff and then he said, okay, well, what can I do? You know, and, and that is birth of the cool. That I think is when he became, well, I'm not going to say that's when he became Miles Davis, but that's when people started to take notice rather than say, oh, it's somebody else doing bird or it's somebody else doing bebop. Yeah. Oh, oh like, bebop and hard bop were all basically what was popular at the time. He didn't invent it, but he was a part of it. Right, and from, from my understanding, it. when he goes, I want to do my own shit, then you get the birth of the cool. Exactly. And, and then and you get, you know what I, you know what I love about the birth of the cool is you could argue that Miles Davis invented cool. Like you could argue like, yeah, the birth of the cool. Yeah, that was you. You, you, there wasn't cool. And then there was you. And then it yeah. was like, oh, this is what cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And again, that's the, the, and you know, as a performer, you know, the confidence it takes to step out and do your own thing. Right. It yeah. Is, is tremendous, especially, you know, and now we look at, again, moving to comedy, you look at a guy like Chappelle, right? who's on top of the world, who's making millions, they're offering millions more. And he's like, nah, fuck it. I want to do this. And he goes off and does his own thing. 
and the whole sh- the whole thing shifts with him. The whole thing mm-hmm. shifts like, yeah, we want to hear what you want to do. Well, it was the same thing with Miles, right? And then he did Kind of Blue, and this was recorded in what, like four or five days, and it was really? like, this is the the greatest jazz recording ever, right? This this was everything in this record. The it's the creativity, man. If you ask me what I love about Miles, what I love about any art, but what Miles had, it was the creativity. It was like, yeah, I'm going to do it this way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, you know what? And to back up what you're saying, <clears throat> Because I was going to ask you this later. So the the question is, because I love how you said the thing about the space in between, um, because that is stand-up comedy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not about the joke so much. It's about the, it's about holding that crowd in the moment and waiting to drop the punchline or waiting to say the next thing. And it's, it really is like a comparison. And, I, and maybe it is Chappelle, but what comedian do you feel is probably the most influenced by the style that Miles kind of provided for the universe and, and through art? Like, who would you well, say? Well, I have to say to an extent I am, and and I will tell you, one of the great compliments I get, Josh, and and have got is, you know, I work with a lot of jazz guys, right? I do jazz cruises. I host jazz right. festivals. I didn't, I didn't know any of this. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I work with a, with a ton of jazz artists. Yeah. And when I'm on stage making fun of them, because they, they, there's nothing they love more than me cracking on them. And I'm so I'm, it's all improv, right? It's all verbal improv. And then they'll be like, man, that's jazz. Like you, you just went up there with one idea or you saw one guy wearing a hat or you saw a T-shirt and then you just went 10 minutes. You just did a 10 minute solo on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so coming from them, that is a, a great compliment. Um, so I am definitely influenced by jazz. The other thing I like about jazz versus stand up and versus the, you know, the big shows and this and that is don't try so hard. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, when you're at, you look at music, right? When you have a big rock concert or something like that, they're working. You know what I mean? They're, they're like, yeah. we gotta bang, bang, bang. We got to pound this audience. It's big. There's pyro. There's this or that. When you go to a jazz concert, when you see a jazz artist, they're like, no, nah, man, don't don't work so hard. Let it happen. Mm-hmm. Just play. Just just play. You know, uh, Robert Glasper, if you're familiar with Robert Glasper. Yeah, you actually I think we were at JFL and we were talking about jazz and you actually gave me uh, a track. You were like, listen to this record. Uh, and it's incredible. I remember I have it saved in my phone. I love it. Right. So Glasper, 
he does a lot of hip hop stuff. He works with with everybody from you know Kendrick Lamar and and all of these guys. He scores movies, that, but he has a jazz trio. Mm-hmm. This is an old old school trio, jazz, bass, and drums, and plays some of the most fantastic music. You know, and it's quiet. You know what I mean? It's the 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 talent speaks for itself. Uh, that's something I love about jazz when the talent speaks for itself and you see that with comics you see see some that are there's a lot a lot noise and smoke and mirrors and stuff and then you see when you get you know it's like the cellar right you talk about the cellar when you get on stage at the cellar you got to be funny you ain't gonna fool them you can't fool them (laughs) you can fool them for a couple of minutes you maybe fool them for a set Mm mm-hmm but you can't fool them, and you certainly can't fool the comics in the back of the cellar, right? They 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 hear your shit. They come down the stairs, and they're like, "Oh, come on!" Or I'm loving like, that, dude. Oh, I'm loving know. that now, though. I'm loving when I see like Will and Cipher and Eric, and you know, I like Frenchie. I just because I've only been there a few weeks, but it's like I actually play off seeing. You know, there was Al Franken in the in the cut a couple of days ago. Right. He had just gotten off, and I was like, oh, "I'm following Al Franken," and it's like. I don't know, man. I, I don't, it's, it's the same thing. It's like where it's like, it used to intimidate me. Now it's like this beautiful thing where I'm like, all right, let me show you guys. I'm, I'm different than y'all. So let you me know, show you I, my solos. When I started, man, when I started my, one of my first jobs was doorman at the laugh factory and I would just do spots. Right. So I would do spots when people didn't show up. So on any given night and, and you know, I'm in comedy one, two years, but I'm going on after Dom after yeah. Damon Wayans, after George. And I tell people, like, the education I got back then, just doing that, just getting on stage, because George Lopez told me something that always stayed with me. He said, listen, don't even mention the famous guy. They already know him. You get up there and you do what you do. He's like, you don't, you don't have to tell them that was Damon Wayans. They fucking know that was Damon Wayans. Who are you? And, and that always stayed with me, you know? Um, so... Again, going into jazz and going into miles and stuff like that, if I'm in a creative space where I'm just coming out of my head, that to me is the most pure. And I always tell people that the greatest joke is something that's said that is hilarious in that moment, but you won't be able to duplicate it because you were in that moment. This is getting back to what you were talking about, right? Being in the moment, in the silence, that moment, it was the greatest thing. You may not be able to duplicate it. It may not be something you can write down and do again, but it was in that moment. Well, it was the same way with Miles. Like, Miles played with his back to the audience. I right? love that. And I love that. I, again, I asked Marcus about that, and, and you know what Miles said? He said, who do I want to look at? My band or 10,000 motherfuckers I don't know? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, who, am he I, also- who am I... <laughs> Who but am he also I talking to, but he also moved around because I, I, I mean, you know, like you talk about space and I, I mean, and this is, I'm going to bring this right back to the comedy thing in New York is that, you know, one of the things I I've been getting from a lot of the New York comics is like, man, you really utilize your space on stage. It's almost like you went to like, you know, you were like a, like a, like a, uh, what do they call it? Like theater, you know, the, the, the acting people, thespians. I utilize the space that I'm given, whereas people are just standing there because when you move around, especially as a trumpet player, Miles used to move around because he was like, it sounds a little different over here. It sounds a little different over there. You know what I mean? And, and, right. and he was but, also playing with other musicians. 
like he'd walk over to the guitar player and just yeah. start playing. This was the thing that always tripped me out. Imagine how intimidating that was to be in his band, especially when you were new. <laughs> for Miles to come over. Now he's standing in your face playing the trumpet, right? And yeah, you're yeah, supposed yeah. to play something back. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, You're just but, like, don't fuck but, it up. Don't fuck it up. Anyone, <laughs> anyone he put on that stage was good enough to to hang with that. Now, what you're talking about, and again, this is energy, right? This this is energy. You are an energy act. You have, so you do that. Yeah. But then you have guys like me or Tom Papa. You know, Papa's Papa doesn't take two steps through yeah, an entire one hour set, but he brings the audience into him. So so there there's no right or wrong. There's both ways to do it. It depends on your energy. The the fake part is, and like like in the early 2000s when we were doing Dublin's, right? And I was following Dane every week. You know, I used to sit on a stool and do my act, right? And there was nobody who was bigger or had more energy on stage than Dane. And they, they were like, you just sit there. It's like, well, what, am I going to try to be Dane Cook? Can you imagine me jumping up <laughs> around? So I said, so... <laughs> the front row would be terrified. You put your foot I mean, through the goddamn floor with your weight, dude. You're, you're like 6'9", <laughs> bro. You're, you're, you're built like a goddamn power forward, bro. So so again, it, it's about doing, It's you know, it's ultimately, it's always about doing your own thing. But that's what takes the courage. That's what, especially with us, man, when Hollywood says you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that, bring us this, bring us that, right? It's all formulated. And you, you know, you see a sitcom, right? Dad is dumb. Mom is smart. Kids are sassy. Uh, little girls um, smarter than little boys or, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's all formulated shit, right? And then, but, but if you do your own thing, you bring your own voice, that's the best thing you can do. And in music, Miles did that. And then Miles did, he did it to himself. You know what I mean? Like, so he did, you, you know, like you said, Birth of the Cool, and, and you know, you look at Kind of Blue, you look look at Sketches in Spain, which is the orchestral thing and just beautiful solos and this and that, right? And and then 10 years later, Bitches Brew. Like this which, is a, which, a, which, which, not to, not to cut you off of what you're saying is, and this is what I love about Miles Davis, is he knew that... Bob, he had to move on from Bob. He does cool. He knew he creates modal kind of blue biggest jazz record in the history of jazz. I used to play it every wedding I ever DJed during <laughs> dinner. I would put, they would give me a fucking album that had like, you can't take that away. I was like, no, I'm putting on kind of blue. Cause I want to hear that. Um, and then, you know, he starts getting into the more, like he starts getting, he starts hanging out. I mean, and, uh, is from my understanding, he was hanging out with Sly and the Family Stone. He noticed that rock and roll was where it was at. It's all electric. And he goes, well, this jazz thing is dead. I have to move on and create. And he does Bitches Brew. And I mean, Bitches, you know, what's funny, Alonzo, is because I'm kind of like you where I grew up and maybe I, maybe I didn't catch the beginning, but did you say like your family was listening to a lot of jazz and so it was yeah, kind of in your childhood? Yeah. So so did I. My dad, four freshmen, Miles Davis, uh, Coltrane, Joe Pass. I can go on and on and on. The record collection was thick. And as a little kid, I used to listen to records with my dad. And then I got into heavy metal 
Guns and Roses and stuff like that. And then, you know, as you start getting older, you're like, jazz is lame, man. I'm never listening to that. I'm never. That's so whack, dude. And I didn't appreciate it or anything. And then in my 20s, I was I was DJing private parties around DC and Baltimore and I used to drive around uh, to do shows on the weekend. And you know, you only, back in the day, I only had a tape player in my Jeep and you get tired of the tapes that you're listening to. And so you go on the radio and the radio sucks. DC 101, it's the same five songs they play over and over. Like, uh, you know, 98 Rock, same five songs, Linkin Park into this, into that. And I remember there was a station called WPFW that if I'm not mistaken was the Howard University uh, public radio station. And 89.3. My dad used to listen to it every Sunday when he drove us to Hebrew school. We used to call it the jazz mobile. And I remember I was like, I'm going to put on 89.3 because they were doing something around Miles's birthday. And I started listening to it. And this is a 21-year-old kid. I mean, 21-year-old baby that's listening to hard rock, grunge, going to raves, doing all just. And I remember it like it suddenly just went boom. And then that was it. And then I just became obsessed and I, and I, and I bought birth of the cool immediately. I, I had sketches of Spain cause my dad had this record and I'd listen to it. And then, but then I went immediately to, ah, I got to listen to bitches brew. That's the one that I know is going to be cool, which I mean, I don't know how you feel like, how does bitches brew play into the, the full, your love for jazz and how do you appreciate something like that oh, as compared to something as, as like this. So, so, from what I understand with, with Bitches Brew, it's kind of what you said. He was listening to Sly Stone. You know, James Brown was big. Um, funk was, was just starting out. But but the other thing was the electronic instruments. Yeah. You know, there were, suddenly there were electronic key, electric keyboards and this and that, right? And Miles, like, it was something new. It was like, okay, let's get these electric electric instruments you know and you, you had herbie hancock in the band back then and, and wayne shorter who is if you ever listen to wayne shorter on a saxophone i've heard saxophone players be like yeah wayne is in a different category what wayne does is like nobody else can do what wayne does you know with a saxophone you know it just so miles once again he was like okay so this is this new thing this electronic sound this funk this soul but he still incorporated it all in jazz because he didn't, he wasn't trying to write a hit record. He wasn't playing, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a difference. He was still doing him. And and uh, <laughs> I heard a great story about, and I think it was Columbia or CBS, whatever record company he was with at the time. And the, the, the guy said, you know, Miles has a new album. And they were like, great. And they said, but he wants to call it Bitches Brew. Now think about this. this is 1970, right? You, yeah. you, we ain't calling things bitches publicly. And they said, uh, and cold brew hadn't even been invented yeah. yet until years <laughs> later. Like, so he, they said he wants to call it bitches brew, and they were like, mm, okay, because because who's going to argue with Miles Davis, right? Who's going to say, yeah. no, Miles, you have to call it something else, right? You just you don't get to do that. You know, he famously changed the cover of an album from a white woman to a black woman. Cause he was like, that's, you know, and I think there's titties on the cover too. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's <laughs> oh, again, titties. He, he knew who he was. Yeah. He knew who he was. And he, and this is something that that record was completely new. And that record led to the fusion era of the seventies. Like I say, when we had 
you know, Chick Corea and Return to Forever and, and Weather Report and, and John McLaughlin and all of this fusion stuff, he kind of opened that door where, where now the musicians were like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do electric music. We're going to just play, you know, my aunt, um, my aunt Altonese, may she rest in peace, was a huge jazz lover and, and ran a jazz appreciation club in San Francisco and this and that. And she was from that school of if you plug it in, it's not jazz. Right. She no, just, a lot of people believe that. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people don't think once it goes electric, it's not it's not right. jazz. But, but she, if it's, as long as it's improvisation, I took history of jazz in college, bro. I, if, as long as it's improvisation, because you could say that uh, who's the guy that everybody loves? Oh, Frank Zappa could be jazz. There's yeah, there's so and, much. And, it's yeah. So, you know, and George Duke, who was a brilliant musician of all types, but definitely jazz. He played in Zappa's band in the 70s, you know. But but these guys um, or the this era, once again, Miles was leading leading the pack, you know. My and when Miles died, a lot of people don't know he had started playing hip hop. He he had started. It, I should say playing with hip hop. I should yeah, say playing it, it, with it's hip-hop. definitely in in the sound of it because I mean that was popular in the time. I think that that he was doing, but that's what he did, dude. This is why I love Miles, and this is why I like a comic like Dave Chappelle, and this is why I love a band like the Beatles and Radiohead is because the purpose of being an artist is you start with your intro. This is this is how I'm introducing myself to the world. Let's do the Beatles just for just for for argument's sake. Uh, I come in, she loves you, I want to hold your hand. It's the most candy pop, rip pop shit you're ever going to hear in your life. And then what do they do? They go, all right, well, we're going to start getting into, you know, a little bit more, you know, like help and, and some other songs that are a little bit away from that, still in that vein. And then it's like, okay, well, the world is turning into folk music. Then we're going to do Rubber Soul. And now it's going to Psychedelic. So let's let's really go out there and venture into uncharted territories and we create Sgt. Pepper and, and Magical Mystery Tour and it's just evolution. Radiohead started with Creep and if you listen to their last three records, it is nothing like Creep and that's what Miles did. It's like you got to push yourself and even if it fails, you at least tried something different. That's why there's so many bands I'm not going to name names, the killers, but there's not, there's a lot of bands out there that keep making the same album over and over again. And, and I think that's, what's beautiful. And I think that's why I love someone like Chappelle and I love, you know, there's just, there's, he's so, and even Burr, it's like, they're just so different because they, they have a, they have a style and it just keeps evolving and they push deeper. And next thing you know, they're saying something more than just a regular joke about a man and a woman in a relationship. They're saying something about society and Miles's music. It, it kind of was the evolution of what was going on. I mean, bitches brew could be a reaction to what was happening in the world in the seventies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the late sixties, right? So you, you had every, you had, um, the civil rights movement, you had Vietnam, right? You had the, uh, I don't know, free love, hippie world, whatever you want to call it, that going on to the sexual revolution beginning, which Miles' sexual revolution kind of, you know, lasted a while, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, he had some phenomenal women in his life. But, but, uh, but anyway... Yeah, all of that played into his music. All of that played into Bitches Brew because it was, this is this is something new. And there was a little little anger 
right? Because in society, in the 60s, in the late 60s, society was getting angry. They were, you yeah. know, was that, that whole anti-establishment vibe, right? That whole anti-establishment vibe. Even look at, look at the clothes he wore. Look at the clothes. He went from being a jazz artist, wearing a suit, wearing nice clothes, this or that, to suddenly wearing the whole, getting into the whole bell bottoms, leather thing. And there was a woman he was with, and I don't remember her name, but she was a young woman. And she was the one who was like, you got to change your style. You got to start dressing like people dress now. And so he went from that uh, button down professional jazz look like jazz musician go on stage to his, his style. So everything changed. It takes, uh, it takes a risk to be willing to make that change, especially when you're established, especially when you're established. When you talk about bands doing the same music, you know, one of the things is, well, their fans expect it. And they, you yeah, know, they, there, there was a story I heard once about Bono telling someone in, in U2, like, Wait, you know, it sounds the same. And, and the guys was like, yeah, because we're U2. Like, this is how we sound. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like this is yeah. this is U2. This is how we sound. You know, you look at look at the police, right? The police, phenomenal band. But like you said, the records, they all had that kind of rock reggae vibe to them, right? It just, it, it changed. And then when Sting decided he wanted to do his own thing, what did he do? He went out and got five jazz musicians. And mm-hmm. said, "I'm going to go solo with these guys," and uh, and that was a different, different sound. And he went in a different way with that. So, but it, but again, man, it, there's a security to doing the same thing. And and when you're famous, there's a financial security to doing it. So yeah, so it takes some courage to step out of that. But Miles, I think Miles, he had to just because he was so creative, he couldn't do the same thing. He couldn't do another kind of blue. No, no, he couldn't. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. Uh, let me let's talk about let's talk about this record um because this is such an interesting album especially if you know you only know because most people only really know kind of blue or bitches brewers like the two biggest records um like how how does how does this record make you feel when did you first hear this record let's take me there let's start there when did you first hear this album again i I will tell you it it had to be in the 80s because that's when i was learning right that's when i'm learning and you hear one miles thing and you get it and then you're like oh let me get this let me get that obviously the the big difference is the orchestra you know he's he's not playing with a quartet or a quintet 
he's playing with an orchestra and that's so that now that's a whole different a whole different backing okay and again i'm not a musician so so i don't know how to put it into musical terms but but an orchestra what kind of dog is that doberman lack of dog Gisir. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, got a, <laughs> I got Hulk. I got a Great Dane puppy. He's sleeping right behind me. Oh my God, that thing's gonna be but, massive, bro. Yeah, but but the orchestra now you have a sound that fills the room, fills the space, right? And then and then him doing his solo on the horn. It's beautiful, and and again, I keep coming back to this word, but it's quiet. Because he's not, he has them backing him, but he's not trying to be bigger than them. He's playing yeah. his thing. You know what I mean? He's not What's trying said? to. He's not trying to play louder. Like if you know, um, like you know who Maynard Ferguson is, right? You know I do, Maynard yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Maynard Ferguson plays a trumpet, he's playing loud. <laughs> you know, he's playing yeah. loud, and he'll he'll have the orchestra behind him. Like I remember he did the. Uh, the theme from Rocky once, and and he's he's blowing, you know, his face was probably purple and this and that. Like Miles never blew that hard. Quiet. He's he's you know he's like, you listen to me. I don't I don't play to you. You listen to me. So now it's just a bigger thing, with the orchestra makes the whole sound bigger, but he's still doing him in front of it. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. I um. Listen, like I said, I listened to this with my dad um, years ago, man. I mean, fuck. It was like my dad didn't have a lot of Miles records, but he had this one because he loved it. He had Porgy and Bess, too. He had the other Gil Albans record. And, you know, listening to it back then, it was like, I mean, this isn't the Miles I thought it was going to be because it is that bigger sound. It is the orchestra. Um, and it's one that just never really made its way into my regular miles rotation. Every once in a while, maybe I would put it on because I want to hear the first song. Because I, I mean, the, the first song, I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, Concerto de Aranguez. God, I'm white. Adagio, which is 16 minutes of the record, is so beautiful. You know, and that's in my opinion, that's the whole record. That 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 16 minute song is the whole record. The first four minutes of it are are some of the most beautiful music Miles might have ever done, in my opinion. And so I put it away. Alonzo, I put it away for years. And then, of course, it's coming up on the podcast. We're getting ready to do this. And then I moved to New York, which I can't shut up about. Everybody, Fleece Army won't won't tell me. I, I, that's all I talk about. But I'm excited. I love it here. And there is something about uh, music to image. And to walk around this city, walk on the East River, which is what I've been doing with the dog, and listening to this on some really good headphones. I cannot stress enough to every person that listens to this podcast, get some good headphones, put this record on, and go to a walk, whether it's whether it's in a park, whether it's in the city, whether you're in the middle of fucking nowhere in, in you know, Oklahoma, it creates a mood that 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 brought me to tears alonzo i'm not gonna lie like i music really affects me this the, especially that first song it's like uh it, it just it's 
there's some really beautiful moments in this and it just crushed me and maybe it's just with everything that's going on and the move is very stressful or maybe it is just this is such a beautiful city it's such a beautiful record that it touched me so much um that that uh, this go ahead first of all i love what you said about the headphones because my girl will listen to music through her phone like with just the phone speakers and i'm like ah, how can you you know and i will blasphemy i have like the portable bose speaker and i'm like at least use this at least if you're not going to turn on the system at least just use this but how how yeah. can you listen to it through a phone right and then what you said you when you put on good headphones you hear things that you don't hear through anything else, right? You don't even even a great sound system or whatever. You hear the the subtleties in the phones that you don't hear. Yeah, anywhere else. So that <laughs> there phones. is a beauty to that. Now you might not want to get hit by a car, so you may not want to have. You stay on the sidewalk. Sound. Stay on the sidewalk at least, and you're, be aware of your surroundings. Listen, people. Like I said, you may not want to get hit by a car. Welcome to New York, Josh. You think <laughs> yeah. the sidewalk's going to protect you? <laughs> I mean, I've dodged some things so far. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of crazy people. Trust me, dude. I I, I lived in Baltimore and in Washington D.C. Besides yeah. here in L and L.A., you you have to be aware of your surroundings yeah. when you have I mean, noise I cancellation like, headphones like on. Pan Piper also, just because Pan Piper has a melody, you know, yes. a melody to it. But when you're listening to this, when you're li listening to any of this, and again, this is what I said about Miles, where you you listen repeatedly to something. And then you hear something you didn't hear before. And then you, you know, suddenly you just get it. You know what I mean? Just, mm -hmm. just you know, like, um, you know, let's go back to Kind of Blue, right? Because that's the biggest one. When you listen to all blues, right? And everybody seems to talk about So What? And they love So What? And, and it's a great track. But all blues, to me, it's just that repetitive, just do, do, do. And it's like, they're not trying. They're not trying. And then it's like, you play something and then you come back to it and it, it just stays right here, you know? And, and, and I was trying to explain that to my girl, like, li listen to it. Cause she's, she listens to a lot more pop music and, and hip hop and stuff like that. And I'm the old guy who listens to jazz a lot, but, uh, but I was like, just it, they're right here and they don't feel the need to go anywhere else from that. Just solos, individual, but the, the overall vibe of the song stays right there. And like you said, you know, when you do 16 minutes, like they had no problem playing a 16 minute track or a 15 minute track or, or you know, sometimes 20 minutes. I mean, there, there were records where the whole side, side one was one song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, J Jack Johnson, that record, I think it's called yeah. The Ballad of Jack Johnson. Uh, I mean, that's just there's two songs or maybe four songs on the whole record, if I'm not right. mistaken. Um, and I, and, well, here, here's, and here's the thing, you know, because you you talk, um, you know, we all saw the Queen movie, right? When they did Bohemian Rhapsody and yeah. you have the, the record exec saying six minutes. Nobody's going to listen to a song for six minutes. I don't think there was any record executive that said to Miles Davis, you know that that's too long yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now do you first of all you can't you can't say anything miles he's a fucking king dude dude kind that's of blue you brought up you brought up kind of blue like i mean 
the, my favorite song, may, maybe one in my top five songs ever made is Flamenco Sketches. And I'm, I'm checking right now to see how long it is. I mean, that's, that's a ten, that's a nine and a half minute song and I don't want it to end. I, I don't want it to end. Just like I didn't want, I, I, they could, I'm telling you, they could have done this first. They could have done, and I, and I agree. Pi, the Pan Piper, incredible. Uh, I love the ending. I love uh, Solea, if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, it's, it's all good. It all equals just one track. There is a part, I think, in uh, Sayeta where it suddenly breaks into like uh, like an army thing. If Adam, I would have I would have had you pick tracks out if I wasn't, you know, dicking around all day setting up this fucking equipment. But I did a good job. Do I sound better, everybody? Lekka? Sound great. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Um, it, it, length of a song means nothing. If, if, if they're taking you on a journey, which Miles does, and he creates the mood, sometimes the song needs to be 36 minutes long. You know what I mean? If that's what he wants to do, and that's the art that he wants to create each and every one of these parts and sections of this uh, record, all makes sense. And what's great is that he's got a, a full catalog of other music that has shorter songs. I mean, some of the stuff off of Kind of Blue, very short. I mean, Ryle, Miles runs a Voodoo Down, if I'm not mistaken, off of uh, Bitches Brew. Might be one of the sh- – fuck, I might be wrong. It might be 16 minutes or it also might be six minutes. But there's some tracks on Bitches Brew that are super long and there's some that are super short. It's just whatever he feels necessary is what he's going to do. Just like, let's bring it back to comedy. When you're writing a joke, sometimes, dude, right now what I love doing in New York is I'm, I have these jokes where I used to add all this exposition just to get to this punchline. And then I was like, you watch all these other dudes that are just set up, punch, set up, punch. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do what Louie did. Go right to the punch. And, and then if and then just add more from that punch. But get to that punch as quickly as possible. Yeah, get to the punch and then tag it. And then, yeah, and then sometimes when you're writing, telling a story, the story's longer and the punches at the end, you just, then you have to add the exposition. And I feel this, this record and a lot of Miles's records are a journey. They're a journey. And because there's one concrete, you know, uh, vibe through the whole thing. And again, to make the comparison to Chappelle, you know, when Dave did the special in Austin, right, a couple of years ago, and when he told the story of Emmett Till, do you remember this? He he talked about Emmett Till was a black kid who was accused of whistling at a white woman and they beat him to death and threw him in the river. And his mother, when they, they found the body, he's from Chicago, he was in Mississippi visiting relatives and stuff. And his mother said, no, keep the casket open because they need to see what they did to my child, right? So it's one of the most painful stories uh, in in black history, but it was also one of the sparks for the civil rights movement because it showed how truly cruel they were, et cetera. So getting to what your point of telling a story, so Dave told this story during his comedy hour and then it led into something funny, not Emmett Till, but he led it into something funny. And you're like, do you know how brave that is and how insane that is to tell a story that serious and that sad in the midst of a comedy special? But he needed to do it because of the arc of the special, because of the arc of the storytelling. You know, and and it's the same way with a track when you do a, a track like, um, I was just looking at it, um, in a silent way. Yeah, I love that so much. That's a 20 minute song. And and there are parts of it where it is silent, where it's just 
You yeah. Know, but it's it's 20 minutes. It's him and Wayne Shorter basically having a conversation and then letting us listen. Yes. But it's 20 minutes and, and they didn't they didn't feel a need to rush it. And like you said, in comedy, sometimes you have set up punch and I'm more of a set up punch guy and this and that. But then there are stories recently. I've been telling the story of Charlie Case on stage, you know, and Charlie Case was was a vaudeville guy who became a lot of people say the first stand up comedian because he just stopped doing all the vaudeville. He stopped the blackface and the costumes and the singing and dancing. And he just stood up there on stage and told a story that was funny. And he used to swing his arm for emphasis. And that became the punchline. Like that's where punchline comes from, from this guy, Charlie Case, swinging his arm for emphasis in a story. And and it, the story is powerful and it impacts me because it, it's, this is where stand up came from. And as a black person, he stepped out of the black face and all of that shit that you had to do in the late 1800s, early 1900s, just to be black and get on stage. So, so it's an impactful story, but it's a story worth telling. So, so like you said, where you have sometimes where you're telling a story and you're just putting a lot of um, decorative words in and, and painting a picture and this and that, but you don't need it. You can just get to the punchline, but then there are other pieces, other stories, other bits, whatever you want to call it, that you do have to tell the entire story for it to work, you know? So, and I think it was the same thing musically, but then you also have in, in jazz, because there's so much improvisation you know I, I I have Miles playing Time After Time by Cindy Lauper I know I love that for three and a half minutes and I have him playing it for 12 minutes <laughs> you know on his live record it's like a 12 or I don't know 15 minute whatever it is um, because he's he's with a live band he's doing a show and they're improv and they're playing with it and like you said when he's getting in the face of the guitar player and the guitar player has to step up or whatever. So, um, and this is what I was talking about, about the beauty of jazz and the beauty of comedy is what happens in the moment, mm-hmm. in the moment on stage. And as you know, you can do the same bit, but then one day you do it and some other things come to you and you're like, that's it. Or you can have, I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had this experience where I couldn't make something funny for a year. I had the idea and I knew there was something funny, but I couldn't make it work. And then suddenly something hit and it was like, that's the joke. That's Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I remember we keep talking about Chappelle, but uh, he did a Q&A once at the comedy store. Uh, after like a three hour set and we were all there as open micers and, and he was asking a question and, and rail battle asked a question about what if you got a premise and you got a joke that you know is funny, but uh, you just can't make it funny yet. And he goes, you got to hold on to it. Cause maybe you're not ready to tell it yet. You know, yeah. maybe you're not, you, you need, sometimes you need a few years to, to grow. I think, and that's the same thing that we can throw back to miles is, you know, miles probably wanted to do some, you know, some, some crazier shit, but he was just like, as a performer and as where he was at in his career, he was like, this is what I'm at now. And this is what feels right. You know, well, also what he did was he changed the band. Yeah. I mean, he got, he definitely got guys that I felt could, could kind of go with whatever direction he wanted to well, go. No, to, what sure. I mean is when he changed, sometimes when he changed the music, he knew he needed new musicians to play it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what that's kind of what I was saying, but I just mm-hmm. you said it way better. Um, <laughs> all right, for 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 time, because you have to be out of here in ten minutes, right? Yeah, I. I all right, so let's. My, no, 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 my, no, no. I have a this job is, now, Josh. My day is compressed. Really? You 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 started working at a at a Panera Bread. I I am I'm on the four to twelve <laughs> shift at the Starbucks. No, I'm doing oh. talk radio. I'm doing um oh. a new progressive talk radio station here, and I do drive time four to seven. So, you know, I got to prep and then I got to get down there to the studio and then be on for three yeah, hours. Dude. Monday I, well, Friday. Let, let's let's hit you because I'll promote the shit out of it, too, and we'll do it at the end. But let's get some facts and then we'll get you out of here. OK, uh, here we go. All right. These are some random Miles Davis facts. Um, well, first of all, here, let me do this first fact. This is about let's just get to the meat and potatoes of this record. Uh, Davis's wife, Frances Davis, insisted he, he accompany her to a performance of flamenco dancer Roberto Iglesias. Inspired by the performance, Davis bought every flamenco album he could to get at Colony Records Shop in New York City. Uh, and then that, then he paired it up with Gil Evans, uh, and they they created this record as a, as a program of compositions largely derived from the Spanish folk tradition. Uh, so that is how we get Miles Davis into this record. Now, uh, this one is just very random, and I kind of liked it. Uh, Miles, among his pre-show rituals, were avoiding food and sex. Uh, he was inspired by fighters Joe Lewis and Sugar Ray Robinson, so he avoided, avoided shaking hands before performances. Um, also, like a boxer, he tied his shoelaces as tightly as possible on shoes that were one size too small. And, and Biles does that because he wanted to make himself uh, hungry and unsatisfied. Yeah, a little uncomfortable, yeah. I mean, you, you do you have any weird shit that you do? I haven't done that yet. No. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be funnier in smaller shoes, but um, but I get that. And, and the flamenco thing, that yeah, that was uh, because he heard a completely new kind of music. Yeah. Right. To him, like he had never heard anything like that. And now he's like, oh, shit, this, you know, mind blown. Yeah. 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 Um, Let me give you another one. Davis had a throat operation in 1957 to remove nodes from his vocal cords. He was told not to raise his voice for 10 days. Two days after he was told this, he shouted at someone, either a record company owner or a booking agent. I mean, we have all done that. <laughs> it's like, and according to Davis, it tried to convince him me to go into a deal I didn't want and permanently damaging his voice and giving him a rasp, which is going to lead to this story. And, and then I'm going to get into rapid questions after that, because the other facts are just like he had met and talked to a young Philip Seymour Hoffman, how he quit heroin. But let's let's this. This is one of my favorite stories. Gerard Carmichael uh, once called me to tell his friends that he was having dinner with this story. So my dad met Miles Davis. My dad was uh, in the in the mid seventies, uh, early seventies. My dad was uh, down from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and at the, staying at the Four Seasons in Washington D.C. on some like conference for uh, whatever my dad did at the time, and he was an accountant. And he gets in the elevator, and there is Miles Davis, big fucking glasses, the big bug eye glasses, a fucking boa, uh, a, a, a jacket that probably cost, you know, nine grand for 1972, you know, 
and my dad, huge fan of Miles, and they're on the thing and they're going down. And my dad goes, my dad goes, uh, hey, uh, you're Miles Davis, right? And Miles goes, nah, man. My dad's like, oh, okay. Of course it's Miles Davis. He knows it's Miles Davis, right? And then they get to the stop uh, where, where, where they're, they're both going to get off. And as the door's about to open, my dad looks over at Miles and he goes, hey, man, I know you're not Miles Davis, but if you run into Miles Davis, tell him I really dig his music. And Miles takes his glasses, pulls them down to his nose and goes, thank you, baby. <laughs> like I said, invented cool. Invented <laughs> cool. He invented it. Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, rapid questions, and we're going to get you out of here, okay? Uh, favorite song on the record? I'm going to go with Pan Piper, the melody. Okay. Least favorite song on this record? Mm, tough one. Um, Saleya, but this it's hard okay. to say, but I'll pick that one. Okay, okay. Uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? Concerto de Adagio, but only for the first about four minutes, and then we'll four go minutes, dude. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's when you go get she some orange juice, rehydrate. If she catches me at the right time, but but definitely <laughs> she ain't getting the whole record. No, I uh, know, dude. I I I would probably do uh, fuck. I do will of will of wisp, will of the wisp. <laughs> it's only three forty seven. I go in, I go out, I'm done, dude. I can't do no concerto. It's <laughs> come on. Think I got concerto energy. Uh, and last question: uh, Does this record deserve to be on the five hundred greatest albums list, and why? Ooh, um, you mean see, that's a tough one. The only reason I'm going to say no is because of his other records that will be there. Okay, Kind of Blue, Bitches Brew, they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. So let's leave room for some other artists. Okay. You don't think this is his best work? No, no, I don't. You don't think it's it's even up there in the top five? For him? Yeah. Yeah, but for, for but, but again, um, Kind of Blue, I think, is... And and people are like, oh well, that's just the most popular. But it's like it's the most popular for a reason. Completely, yeah, I completely so, agree with so that. That one, and then bitches brew, again, new generation, completely new type of music, completely, you know. And and um, Marcus said something to me one time. We were talking about bitches brew, and Marcus said he said, yeah, now imagine smoking weed or dropping acid for the first time and listening to bitches brew right because remember this is this is 70 this is when that happened so so imagine listening to that so you got to put that record in the top uh 500 of all time and it is and it is and so it kind of blues is is number 12 so it's 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 in a place like and bitches go ahead you can argue for sketches to be there, but again, and the only reason I say it's not, you know, it, it's like sports, right? It's it's like how many records does a, you know, how many records does a Michael Jordan have or LeBron James or Kobe or 
Shaq or somebody like that. So, so are you going to put them in all of these categories or can you just put them there based on, you know, one or two, you know what I mean? Like you could give them the whole record book, but let someone else shine. Like, like LeBron, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you're a basketball fan at all. Come I see on. you got an NBA I'm, shirt on. I'm wearing so. a, dude, I have the Washington like, Wizards logo tattooed to my arm, know, bro. You, you think I'm doing that just to let game. people know I'm from D.C.? So so for I'm going to argue for seven years, the MVP trophy should have been called MVP other than LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because yeah. no, they right. just couldn't give it to him every year. So it should have been, well, you know, the MVP other than LeBron is Russell Westbrook. The MVP other than LeBron is KD, but LeBron's carrying a different team to the finals every year. There's really no question who's the greatest basketball player on earth for that era, right? Yeah. But they're like, but we can't just hand him the trophy every year. So, so it's the same thing with Miles. It's like, okay, let's not, we can't put all of his records or, or, you know, we got to let somebody else in. We got to let some, some other artists in, right? So, so. You know, if Sketches of Spain is in now, what are we going to do about Herbie Hancock and and his early stuff? Where do we put that? You, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure. I no, I get it, but I'm pretty sure Watermelon Man's in there. Um, yeah, definitely. But, I, but, I, but you know, it's this is why I'm saying Sketches. I wouldn't put it in the top 500 just because Miles has other entries there, and we want to leave room for some other people. I, I respect that hundred uh, percent. You're actually Adam. If, since you've been working here, is he the first person that has actually said no? Yeah, no. He, that's right? the first time someone's like, yeah, and I like the reason because you want to let other people shine. But yeah, this is the first time that they're like, nah, maybe not. Ah, uh, and by the way, Adam, uh, fucking wearing the Metallica shirt I today, to wear, dude. I try to wear a music shirt even if it doesn't apply to what we're talking about. Every <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but but Miles Davis and Kurt Hammett used to jam together and their kids used to play in pools. I made all that up. I'm, come on, dude, you really fucking think Metallica <laughs> and Miles? Around. He's like, hey, Kurt Hammett, who is the master of puppets? And it's kind of like, no, yeah. Uh, Alonzo, this was great. Uh, promote away. Anything you want to promote? I know you just mentioned the radio show, but please do it again and tell us yeah, everything uh, that you so want everybody to know it's about. It's KBLA 1580, and you can listen to it through KBLA1580.com. It's it's um, terrestrial radio in L.A., but it's on the Internet. Also, AlonzoBowden.com. I'm still touring, man. I'm still banging it. You know, I'm in Colorado this weekend. Um, I have uh, coming up. I'm going to be back on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. I'm, I'm hosting, I'm co-hosting the... O'Hare Jazz Festival outside of Chicago, August seventh uh, and eighth. Yeah. So, so I'll be there. Like I told you, man, that that's my vibe because, you know, you talk about cool audiences, man. A jazz audience, grown folks who are just like <laughs> there is a yeah. great audience for for comedy. Again, you don't have to you don't have to work so hard. You don't have to yell at them and bang them over the head. You can just hit them with something that that you know. They know what you're talking about. So that stuff is coming up. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I'm going to visit Josh in New York because now yeah. I don't need a hotel. I just crash. I do. There's plenty of room because it's completely empty. Completely dog. empty right now. I got a dog. <laughs> and dude, I was trying to make a riff. Like, do you ever like just in the middle of one of those jazz sets go, <laughs> just go all Ella on them. Uh, Alonzo, this was great, buddy. Thank you so much, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got it to work because, you know, schedules were kind of crazy this week. But here we are. Now, let me ask you something. Are you doing anything oh, okay. virtual JFL next week? 
I will be there. I'm doing, I'm, I will be at the New York shows for the nasty show and I'll be seeing everybody. I am doing JFL Cancun, uh, in November. So, uh, while you're in LA doing your JFL shit, I'm going to be doing JFL shit, drinking a, a virgin daiquiri have, at a five star resort. <laughs> I've done Cancun. You're going to have a great time. Nice. Um, have a lot of material because you're going to see the same audience for a lot of different shows. I get, dude, what they're paying me, I'll, dude, I'll do, I'll write all, I'll write three new hours, bro. Um, also, dude, also, I'm doing the jam. Uh, we're going to make the announcement soon, but we're going to be doing it in LA and we're going to be doing a regular basis. I'll be flying in for it. And I want you to come back and do it because you killed it, man. And we Thank don't have to do you, public man. enemy. We'll, we'll do something fun. But, dude, this was great. I mean this sincerely, dude. I, I had a blast today. Thank you, Josh. This worked out great. I'm glad we got to do it. And Fuck Adam, yeah. you know, thank you for, for making it work. <laughs> what I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Alonzo Bowden. Uh, follow him on Instagram at ZoFunny, Z-O-F-U-N-N-Y. Follow him on Twitter at Alonzo Bowden. Listen to his uh, radio show, Who's Paying Attention on KBLA uh, 1580 Talk in LA. I think it's streamed everywhere. And for all things Alonzo Styley, go to his website, AlonzoBowden.com. So, we just listened to Miles Davis from 1960. For new music, we got Marquise Hill, a trumpet player from the south side of Chicago who won the 2014 Thelonious Monk International Jazz Competition and called dauntingly skilled by the New York Times. You're listening to Ari's I Am Mars off his 2021 release, Soul Sign Instrumental. Find all the links at the500podcast.com. And we want your music. So if you want your music played on the podcast, if you were influenced by one of these records, send us your song, guys. 500podcast at gmail.com. Next week, Rolling Stones week. Uh, it's our first one with the RS uh, dub. Uh, Between the Buttons, 1967, it came out. Listen to it. Do your homework. Doogle doogle. Stay fleecy.
Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Next Chapter Podcasts.